When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast with me, Russell, with him, Peter. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. Excellent, good to see you. And we have two guests with us, um, the esteemed Mr. Nick Trepanik, uh, journalist and Albion supporter. You've been on before, it's your second visit. Welcome back, sir. Pleasure. Excellent, good, good. And we, we have making a debut, and we were joking about this off air. This is about the only place you haven't debuted on, I think, so <laughs> far. It's, um, it's a familiar voice to many, another Albion fan as well. It's Ian Hart. How are you doing, Hearty? Fine, thank you, Russ. Thank you for inviting me on. Excellent. It's good to see. You. I haven't seen you for a while as well. I think it was um, that pub when we did the um, the theatre thing with um, uh, the album Till I Die. I think it was, wasn't it? Before that, was there was no, some no, event I've, going no, on? I've seen I've seen you at Seagulls over London a couple of times. Yes, and, um, true. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I saw you at an away game, I believe. Oh yes, possibly so. Yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah. it was an away game. I can't. You may not have been sober at the time, so I've forgotten. <laughs> when I know, no, because I've reached Almost the age where not. I can't remember when I went to, you know, <laughs> I had for tea yesterday. So, um, no, it's uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's been, it's been, it's a great uh, leveler, in, you know, a great journey that we've all been on, and um, but time, you know, you you talk about time. I know we're going to discuss goals. I but you know, goals I is. is was 33 years old this year wow yeah that, you know yeah. that is frightening I, it, it is isn't it but <laughs> you know more than half of my life it's crazy yeah. It's ageing us all painfully, that, isn't it, when you say something like that? Oh, dear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we will indeed be talking about goals. Right? It's going to be the first of a, um, a, a run of fanzine specials that we're going to do. Oh. We're starting out with a bang with the best, obviously the best of the lot, the original, the best I, uh, goals. They, right? all had, they, they all had their time and they, they did, all yeah. had their little niche. You know, one of the ones that I really used to enjoy was Anne Smith Must Score, which hmm. was running... Uh, not against us, but was running at the same time uh, as us. And and I do think Chris and uh, Patrick, the two lads that did and Smith Muscle, they were the 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 Times and the Telegraph to our sum and the mill, you know. <laughs> and 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 everything had its, you know, 
had some, there were some great articles in and uh, Smith must score. Re- really good, good stuff. Really enjoyable. Yeah, that's, that's, good. that reminds me. How come they never invited me to write for them, but you did? Oh well, perhaps there's a because... perhaps there's an answer there. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> no, no. Um, hey, it's always no, better, it's always better to be with the market leader than the one that thinks. Well, it no, but to be. They, to, to be fair, I think they came and went, didn't they? They they yeah. they went on to other things, and then we and then there was there was one there called "There's a Rat in the Camp," and then there was hmm. Seaside Special or Seaside Saga. And then scars oh, yeah. and stripes. So no, it was it was good. Come it on. is the one thing I miss at the um, at the Amex is that we haven't got a fanzine. But I mean, something we'll obviously touch on. I have, thought have, I saw have, one at the um, the Leicester game. I thought I saw someone yeah. selling something before the Leicester game, but uh, they're, I was they're in a coming hurry back. You're, you're not imagining it, Nick. Yeah, they're coming back. There's actually two new ones. Um, North Stand Collective are doing one. Um, I think it's got that more or less that as the name. I can't remember exactly. Um, I hope to get someone on from them later on down the line. And they've got one called Dogma, which is a very sort of highly stylized one. Lots of interesting artwork. And it's got that sort of thick paper thing. It's very well, pub- yeah, very well produced. Um, but it's in very small surprise, I think, at the moment. But um, some interesting um, things afoot there. I'm, I'm looking um, with an interested eye to see what's going to happen with that, whether it's going to develop, how, how popular it'll be. But yeah, they're, they're making a comeback. And I think there's a few Russ, up and down Russ, the country. If they going. ruffle, Russ, uh, 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 sorry about that. Hmm. Russ, if they ruffle feathers, we do know as, as, as much as it's great at the Amex, probably one of the, one of the negatives about the club is they don't do criticism very well, do they? Hmm. Um, and I, I do wonder... You know, if they do what uh, you know what we did all, all those years ago, um, you know, we're, we're, I, I can't see them getting banned, but you know, it 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 might go down like like the hmm. proverbial um, excrement sandwich, as we call it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's from what I understand because I chatted to a couple of the guys involved, and they they seem to be saying it's more about just kind of tapping into football fan culture in general in just a more a match-going experience and what you do in and around the game rather than anything more kind of politically slanted, should we say, um, which is fine. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting if they do ruffle any feathers, as you said. Um, I suppose there's a couple of issues, isn't there? There's things around the ticketing for the away games and this thing about the exchange scheme as well for, um, you know, for, for people to be able to have someone use their ticket and for... Obviously, someone's got to pay for using that ticket. You've got to pay to allow them to use it. So that, that's that's annoyed quite a few people. But don't forget water so, bottles. Yes. <laughs> water bottles, <laughs> bottle tops. Yeah. <laughs> Can I start with a quiz then? Because this actually shocked me this week. I've yeah, been a ahead. member of 1901 since the stadium opened. Signed up for another five years. Platinum 1901 oh. East. Um, Amy, my daughter, her 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 boyfriend is Spurs. And I've got another couple of Spurs fans um, who are clients. So I wanted three extra seats for Platinum East 1901. So I'm going to go around yeah. the room, boys and girls. How much do you think per ticket for Brighton v Spurs, Sunday, the 12th of December, two o'clock kickoff? Just a seat in 1901 East. 1901. Now that yeah. Spurs category A shouldn't matter, should it? Um, probably is, quid. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh. fifty, Russ. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go seventy. I reckon it's something like yeah. that. 
and Peter? I'm going to go higher. I think it might be 100 just because of the kind of like, yeah, suggestion. it sounds like it might be really high, ridiculous, ridiculously high. If we were playing that familiar children's game, Peter, you, you two, Nick and Russ, were freezing cold. Peter, <laughs> you were getting warmer. £135 oh, pounds each. But just to see. Oh. Just for the wow. seat. You don't get anything else with it. That's crazy. No. Well, well, you just get into 1901 yeah. East Year and you get a program. You've got to pay food. for food and drink and yeah, stuff. Food, and... food and drink. 135 yeah. quid. Wow. That's, that that's 400 I, quid for three tickets then, basically. And I just think, going back to my first day at the Goldstone in, on East, Easter Monday 1973, it was 25p for me to get in and 50p for my dad to get in. <laughs> Well, you've just touched on what I was going to ask you, actually, and uh, before we get into the, uh, the yeah. fanzine stuff in more detail, is yeah. about your Albion story, because we haven't had you on before. Yeah. So yeah. you've just said a part of it. 1973, yeah. then, was when yeah. it all started, was April, it? April the 23rd, 1973. There was a police incident room. Nick will remember this. There was a police incident what? room outside <laughs> the West Stand for the murder of Clive Olive. Do you remember that, Um not, I remember the name, but yeah, it was the it was a Hell's Angel that was killed and dumped in Shoreham Harbour. It was a young lad, nineteen Gosh. years old, and the police had an incident, a, a mobile incident room uh, with all the posters, and and, our, and that was op- opposite where Gamleys used to be, the um, sort of uh, warehouses for uh, uh, Gamleys. That was one of the things that I can remember of that day. It was a one-all draw. Brighton were all all but relegated. But I was hooked. It was it was absolutely superb. And then sort of sporadically, my, my dad wasn't in the best of health back in those days. So we used to go as and when we could. And then uh, a gentleman um, by, by the name of Alan Groves, who, who many might know on, on your podcast, because he was head of security at American Express for many years at ex-Royal Navy. Um, they were family friends. And then he used, used to take me regularly um, in the first division days, 79 onwards. And um, and then I, I started going to away games. Bizarrely, my first ever away game was Norwich away in um, Feb 1981, and we lost 3-1. Um, and then I went to Palace on East, Easter Saturday when we had that amazing last four-game run where we beat Palace, Leicester, Sunderland in the last minute at Roker Park. In the in the dying seconds at Roker Park, Gary Williams, and then, we, and then we beat Leeds United on the last day of the season and stayed up. Um, great times, yeah. great times. Yeah, you got a good memory as well, remembering the details. That's great. Well, no, no, it's because yeah. the the these are you know as I've said, without wishing to uh, to offend the Commander in Chief, Mrs Hart, who is in the <laughs> next room, um, having her eyelashes done for a holiday next week. But um, your football team are before your first girlfriend. Your football team are your first love. And whilst you can change girlfriends, you can even change wives if you can afford it. <laughs> you can never, ever change your football team. You know, it, it, it was quite ironic. On the day my dad died, I was going to a committee meeting up in London for the boxing writers, which, which I'm on the uh, committee there. And, and as we pulled into Hove, Hove Station, you know, a scriptwriter couldn't have done it better. Um, the nursing home phoned me to tell me that my dad had passed on. And I looked over to the site of the old Goldstone and thought, you know, that's where on the 23rd of April, 1973, my dad inflicted now 48 years of uh, disappointment and frustration, uh, anger, 
but also ecstasy, you know, and it was one of the greatest gifts my dad ever gave me was taking me to the Albion and beginning my love affair with this football club. Did you progress all the way around, all the way around the houses, so to speak, each of the stands? Um, oh, yes, from... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I think we went in the south southwest that day. Then we used to sit in the west. Then I used to sit in the, the south. Then I went in uh, the north, even when we didn't have a roof. Because even back in the day, yeah. I think health and safety took it down, didn't they? The second season of the... Um, of the first division, uh, division health yeah. and safety took it down and it, and it didn't come up again until 1984. So uh, we have many years. I mean, you, you talk, you talk about fanzines and uh, again, I think Russ and um, Peter are a little bit younger than you and I, Nick, but do you remember when we played Portsmouth in division two, Nick, and they gave the Portsmouth away contingent, they gave them the North stand. Can't, yes, I do vaguely remember yeah. that. Pompey were given the North Stand because of their travelling following. Yeah, that outrageous. And that went down well. Can you? Well, well you, but that was that was before fanzines. That was before fan power. You imagine yes. now. You imagine now if we had a team come and they gave them the North Stand at the Amex, as they, and and moved everybody out of their seats. It, you know, it's unthinkable. But back then. Bamba, I compl- I've completely wiped that from my, my memory banks, but yeah, now no, it all... Looking at the main chance, Bamba, yeah, I'll, I'll get XYZ Portsmouth fans in and I'll, and, and I'll give them the home end. You, you, you just couldn't make it up. Because earlier, a couple, couple of weeks prior to that, Jimmy Melia had got the sack. And then do you remember when he turned up at the Sheffield Wednesday game? Nick? Well, this is the point. This is the point of not having the roof on the on the North Stand because, of course, you could see it from all parts of the yeah, ground, couldn't yeah. you? You could see him appearing at the back of the stand up. and walking down with his, yeah, his entourage yeah. and waving to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Crazy days. Crazy. Great days, though. Great days. And, you know, whilst we, we, we love what's going on now, um, I still look back with a degree of affection to when we were at the bottom of the football league and we were playing Hull City and it was Steve Gritt's first game mm. and we bought three and a half thousand whistles from a toy warehouse to, to, to try and disrupt the referee and we were just giving out whistles and, in, and the, the, the ref got wise uh, to it and he, and he was almost doing everything by hand, hand signals because it was just it was impossible uh, impossible Everybody was blowing the whistles. Yeah, and that, that really is indelibly linked with us, isn't it? This kind of fan power, this yeah. um, motivated um, action, um, motivating the troops, so to speak, to, to yeah. fight for justice in a number of ways. Um, obviously, it's all about the Archer and Bellotti era, um, yeah. is, is what everyone's always thinking about. Um, but in general, I think we've, we've probably been at the heart of it, I would think. I, I can't really yeah. imagine... Whether there's anybody going for Look at some of the teams these days who, yeah, the likes of, say, a certain team in the North East who've been in the news a lot recently who supposedly had a bad owner who, and they've no idea what how bad a bad owner really is, and have done really not very much other than sit there quietly for protest. They've not done very much at all other than a few minor things, you know, and yeah, I don't really think they had a bad owner anyway. And then, yeah, you look at back in the, yeah, the 90s and what we did as a club, it's like amazing. And even in the 2000s. Yeah, what would we have given for an owner who kept us, you know, yeah. in the, the Premier League for 12 out of 14 seasons? Oh, no, they had to, and they had to win the championship two seasons, though, Nick. It was tough, you know. Yeah, yeah really I, tough I, for I, them, I, think, I, I just think um, 
I mean, Nick, I'll ask you this uh, question. If we'd had fan power when Bamba was about pulling some of his strokes that he did, do you think we'd have rebelled then? Um, there would have, yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, you know, there would have been a certain amount of residual gratitude for him having got us to the first division. But, uh, you know, the thing is, you can't mistreat people week after week the way, you know, later owners did. And if he'd, um, I don't know, would he, if there'd been some sort of resistance, would he have uh, drawn back perhaps quicker than, than he did over one or two things? Well, I think he was forced out in, in, in the end, as I understand it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and since, and, and we'll come on to, to John Campbell and his, um, and his phone call to me many years later. Um, but uh, I think Campbell, Size and Bloom and Bedson all gang, ganged up on him. And clearly there were things going on um, that, you know, to the law of the land um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have worked. Mm. And I, I and I think they 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 basically got him out rather than calling in the authorities. Mm. Famously, but, Jimmy. And then Page, the overspend, of course, carried on. I mean, with the, what the result of his overspend carried on argument until we got to the Amex, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, I he mean, never quite recovered until we, we got to the Amex. No, I mean, Jimmy Page tried to buy the club in. Don't you, Peter? Don't drink that because you're making me feel bad now. Um, Jimmy Page tried to buy the club in 1976. And, and, and asked um, uh, Bamba just to show him the, the, the books. And even back, back then, Bamba, Bamba wouldn't show them. So, this isn't Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page, surely. Yes, it is Jimmy Page. <laughs> oh, is it really? Led Zeppelin, I didn't know Jimmy that. Yeah, yeah, no, Jimmy Page tried, tried to buy the Albion uh, in a deal put together by Dougie Clark, who is still an Albion season ticket holder, who was Roger Daltrey's personal assistant. And uh, and that's how it all came about. But Page, yeah, Page wanted to come in and and take take over a football club because Elton John had just got Watford. And um, yeah, they, he asked if he could see all of the books and he'd do do due uh, diligence even back then. And Bamba Bamba wasn't entertaining it, so you do wonder. Um, yeah, I mean, because you talk Pete, Peter about the, the the debts and that, you know, Fozzie, bless his heart, was on a ten year contract, wasn't he? Well, so everybody was, was, weren't they? Steve yeah. Gatting. Yeah. Did Steve so Gatting Steve... actually have the contract for the longest time? I think he actually saw out the end of it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, because it was all all to do with a player called Gary Collier, who left Bristol City <coughs> to to go to Coventry City, walked away under some free freedom of contract, and then ev everybody got really scared and started chucking all these ten year contracts about, and um, if you didn't ask for a transfer but they transferred you, you had your contract paid up because uh, Lawrenson didn't ask for a transfer in 81. So mm. he, so he mm. got his contract paid up as well. Wow. Yeah. The 10-year contract thing seems mad, doesn't it? I mean, we, we have Pardew given most of that <laughs> as a manager yeah. who I've fairly yeah. recently, but I, I but hadn't heard of anything like it until... We're yeah, especially if you, have to, you have to pay it up anyway, didn't you? As well? yeah. but, but you see, but yeah. this is where football is this... You can be the best businessman in, in the world and arguably one of the best businessmen this country has ever produced, Alan Sugar, is, is a case in point and he admits it himself. They get to the doors of a football club and they lose all business acumen. It just goes out of the door. I mean, Chris, well, he tried though, didn't he? But then, of course, he realised what he was up against. He was up against yeah. people who would would spend yeah. mad amounts of money and do insane yeah. things. And if he wanted to compete, he had to do the same. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Chris... Tony Bloom is trying to do it now, but you look how much he's spent to get to a position where we can try and do it. I mean, it's it's obscene the amount, it's crazy the amount of money he's spent, but he is trying to do it at this point, at least, which is something to leave us on a longer term. At least, These days, you know, it used to be that having a millionaire owner was was brilliant, but having a millionaire owner isn't good enough now. You've got to have a billionaire. And then, of course, if you've got a billionaire owner, well, you've got to have a small country owner, <laughs> you know, and then where are we? You know, a continent? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it it just goes on and on, doesn't it? You're right. I mean, if we if we'd had Tony Bloom in a different era, with the proportional amount of money he's he spent on the club, it'd be a totally different story, wouldn't it? Certainly, Jack Walker levels and and more besides, I'd imagine. But, but we've but, had uh, Tony yeah. Bloom for longer than we think. Yeah, we we have. We, yeah, we, it's interesting. We've had he's... Tony Bloom for for longer than we think. When we went up to Derby County, the first game of the season, two thousand and four, when we'd gone up via the playoffs Barry Lloyd was our co-commentator and, and Horsey and I were in the car with him on, on on the M40 I can remember it now and he came out with the classic sound bite which we which we couldn't record but I I I did ask him if I could quote quote him on that and he said yes he said Dick Knight is the chairman of Brighton and Hove Albion for as long as Tony Bloom wants him to be and that and that was basically it mm. and I think when we had the second coming of Mickey Adams and the Russell Slade get out of jail free card, although I don't think Mickey would have gone down. Um, I, I think that's when uh, Tony Bloom said enough is enough. And it was at the time of, of, of the global financial meltdown and they lost um, their, their uh, basically their mortgage for the uh, Amex. So, if, so Tony hadn't stepped up to the plate then and basically financed it all it would never have happened but yeah. I, th- I think Tony was financing a lot of things for a good four five six years before <coughs> Dick yeah. stood down in 2009. Whereas Dick Knight's book um, ghostwritten by a very good writer uh, <laughs> says you know that he, he admits that much but um, Tony Cascarino used to work for the same still works for the same paper I used to work for and um, I remember talking to him at um at a football writers' dinner, and him, him saying, "Oh, you know, you're, there's a lot of money uh, behind your club." This was a long time ago. I said, "What would you mean, Norman Cook?" He said, "No, no, no. These two uh, two brothers, the Bloom brothers, um, mm. and uh, that was kind of, you know, obviously I knew the name, mm. um, and uh, you know, the, but that, that was, yeah, probably a little, might have been a little bit before then, but um, so, you know, the the, the connection obviously with. Uh, with Harry Bloom and Ray Bloom were yeah. obvious, and you were sort of aware of these guys in the background, but that that the money was being put in by well, one of them, um, yeah. you know, was was some you know, a revelation that sort of you know you, where a lot of things started to make sense suddenly. Because yeah. Harry Bloom was integral with the rise to Division One in '79, and yeah. as Muller is um, Alan Mullery said in, in his excellent autobiography. And if you haven't read it, please, please do. He turns 80 next uh, next week. So happy birthday, Mullers. Um, yeah. If you haven't read it, that, uh, that when uh, Harry Bloom died on the way to Stoke in a train, we were playing Stoke away. I it was on the coach. No, it was on, it was on, on the train. Hmm. Yeah, I'd heard it was a coach. But yeah, I thought must, it was, I heard it was, was there one member said been on the team coach picking them up from the... Maybe maybe from the station then, but anyway, yeah. I, I I stand corrected, gentlemen. Uh, but Alan said 
that he he knew that was the beginning of the end between him and Bamber, because Harry Bloom was the conduit between Bamber and Irv Mullers, because they're mm. both very strong characters. Mm. Yeah, as you said, I mean the Bloom family obviously it's been it's been involved all the way through grandfather of Tony. Uncle yeah. of Tony and now Tony himself, yeah. of course. And yeah. yeah, it's interesting that he's been sort of sitting in the background waiting for an appropriate moment. I mean, as you said, the, the finances were falling through. The price of steel, as I recall, that they remember reporting was going through the roof as well because of the economic situation. So it's um, it's classic album, wasn't it? With all the struggles we've had, all the fight to get the stadium approved. And then <laughs> the timing just um, fits just nice and perfectly mm. like that as well. So if we can throw this another is a, spanner in This is a, another one of my bug bugbears and, and a... Uh, again, I'll like sort of throw it open to, to you three guys. I know what political flag you sail under, Nick, mm. but I do feel that Labour in Brighton and Hove let the Albion down because they could have ring-fenced the Goldstone like the Valley was done by Greenwich Council. Well, and then no well a, a, senior, a senior member of the... Um... What was then the Hove Labour uh, Party? You you probably can guess who I mean. Did say <laughs> that the whole point about the, getting the planning permission was that they had to make it available for non-food retail to realise the, the value as as the club put it to them. Um, if they'd actually then refenced it so that it, it had to remain as a sports ground, then they might not have been able to get. No 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 no. Ring fenced it. The valley was only ring fenced. The people who were trying to make money out of Charlton, could build on the Valley once Charlton had played their first game in a permanent stadium mm. within the borough. Mm. So why so why wasn't that put in place? You know, Worthing Football Club have got a covenant on Woodside Road. You mm. cannot build on Woodside Road until Worthing have played their first home game in their permanent ground within the borough of Worthing. Mm. So, That's so, not a really good idea. That's a... If those I think covenants... This should be... This oh, should be national close. policy, shouldn't it? Shouldn't yeah, yeah, it should be. I mean, I don't see why it shouldn't be. Yeah, well, we're, is... not, we're not alone. I mean, what my old local club, Barnet, were in, obviously lost their ground or has yeah. had their ground sold or whatever and uh, are now playing Edgeware in a ground that was temporary and they were going to move back to the borough of Barnet and they seem to have completely lost all talk of them moving back to Barnet now. And it's been, I think it's been built on the um, underhill or at least it's yeah. certainly some stuff going on. So, oh, I thought we had a brand new stadium, Barnet. No, they, they do. It's in Edgeware. It's not actually in Barnet. So it's, oh, yeah. right. Okay. It, yeah. And it's neat and tidy. They were moving there for like five years or whatever to then build their grounds. Yeah. yeah. But then, of course, event, you know, you also get situations where a club willingly sells its ground or, or ownership do in the case of West Ham, you know, to yeah. deal with that, uh, that excuse that, for a football ground. We haven't got enough time to discuss that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, we've, we've better steer our subject towards uh, goals, are, shouldn't we? Yeah. So, so yeah. you two chaps, Nick, Nick, and Ian, you, you were um, you were at the forefront of this, or amongst those that were at the forefront. Yeah, don't blame um, me. Don't blame me. Okay. <laughs> I was just one of his um, minions. Well, I, it was I, the summer of '88. Yeah. Um, we failed in the Euros. If, if for, for older older listeners, we'd gone out to Germany. And, surprise, um, surprise. You know, and, uh, and no, no, but gone out there in the group and we, we lost Gone all out to everyone. Them. Yeah, we oh uh, lost the Republic of Ireland, Holland and Russia. That was um, the Van Basten one, wasn't it? Because I think that's the tournament before I started watching. But Yeah, so that Van was Basten the only... One? You didn't yes, miss yeah, anything. Van Basten got a hat-trick, yeah. Yeah. And, he, and, uh, but, and that was when you, you had a European Championship that was done in uh, 10 days or two, two weeks maximum because it was done properly. 
Uh, there's two groups of four, none of all this. In one know, country. Yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, and uh, the Chelsea had a fanzine called the Chelsea Independent. And, uh, and a couple of guys that we knew were Chelsea fans. And they, and then at the pre- previous season, when we'd gone up in 87, 88, and in the third division, um, that we had, uh, they'd come in on the train from Chapman's, uh, to uh, Chapman's and uh, coming back from Stamford Bridge. And they brought this thing in there. And, um, and we'd sat, sat there, and Pete, Peter Kennard, and I'm a lad called Fraser, Fraser Stewart, um, said, do you know what? We could do this. And uh, it would give fans a, a bit of a, a um, you know, just give fans. We, we thought it'd be knockabout stuff. You know, it was just a, uh, a bit of fun. So the first home game that next season was Bradford City at home. So we printed three 3,000 copies and gave them away free and, um, and went from there. And the famous front cover was Greg Stanley throwing a brick <laughs> in, into, a, into a shop in Doncaster. Indeed because, it was. Again, old, older fans will recall, we went to Brentford um, uh, in the March of uh, 88 and drew one all. And there were 44 people arrested at Brentford. It was the most heavy-handed... Pl- I thought it was a training exercise for the Gestapo. It was, it was the most heavy-handed policing I had ever seen. And there were 44 Albion fans arrested that day and charged. And they were all banned from the Albion for two years because Ron Pavey came out on Meridian tonight with, with all TBS back then, coast to coast, with Fred sort of nodding at him. And Ron Pavey read it out, this thing, this is not going to happen again. Anyone arrested at football will be, you know, and have their name taken by the police will be banned for a minimum of two years. So fair enough. The very next home away game, Brighton at Doncaster, mm. they go up the night before. The directors used to travel with the team. The directors go out on the, the shan. Greg Stanley gets tired and emotional and decides to put... Not for the first or last time. <laughs> and decides to put a brick through the window of the local DIY. I don't know if it was some sort of, you know, um, some sort of DIY sort of, uh, you know, feud. feud. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with Ted's DIY store of Doncaster. But anyway, so he was arrested <laughs> and charged. Funnily enough, he never got banned. Oh. So, the, so we had this Doncaster High Street uh, with the brick going through and just the words, lead by example, question. Oh. <laughs> He Brilliant. was a strange character, Stanley, mm. a very strange character. It was, you know, it, uh, John Vinicom dis- d- described him when uh, we first sort of met up with the media boys in, in the autumn of 88, that Stanley was a likeable buffoon who shouldn't be trusted with his own money. And, um, and that probably set the stall for the whole time that, that, that I knew Greg. Um, mm. he, he was a terrible bully. And he was terrible in drink. Um, you, you couldn't go near him when he'd had when, when he'd had a drink. And um, and someone once said to me, and it was very very true, um, that if he was down to his last fiver, he'd still have more money than sense. So um, you know, it, it was it's just. Uh, and I think he got he came to Brighton 
because he wasn't actually a Chelsea fan. Mm. But I think Ken, Ken, Ken Bates basically set out his stall early. He says, you can have a box here, you can do this, you can do that, but you will never be on the board. He was I mean, on the plane, though. I was on a, a Chelsea away trip with the, with, yeah, where know, the media got... flew with the, with the uh, directors and the team. And yeah. he was there sitting among the Chelsea directors yeah. on, a, on a flight I think, to Helsingborg. I think he was basically Fredo in The Godfather. I think that they would have him, but, that, but they would never have him, you know, mm. up the, the, the top. I remember Paul Hayward ringing me after uh, a cup final. I think it was the, the one when Chelsea beat Middlesbrough. And uh, in 97. Seven, yeah. Yeah. And he said to me, have a guess who was air guitaring near the Royal Box to status quo. And I said, let me guess. I'm only going to have one guess. It wasn't Greg Stanley, was it? He said, yes, it was. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I think, so I think um, because Ken Bates had set out his stall early, I think that's why we inherited him down here. Um, and it's a bit know, like uh, Michael Nyson when he was at Carlisle, but he went to, was it Man U? He went on the pitch and did his stuff, yeah, and then yeah. they were like, no. So he went and bought someone else, basically, and kind of. Well, no, no, that, that he, the... he 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 actually couldn't come up with the money. Yeah. Knighton was uh, Knighton was because uh, at at the time Brian Robson, who was then captain of Manchester United, had thirty two card shops, greeting card shops in the northwest. And, and the question they were asking at Old Trafford on that Saturday when we had all the ball juggling was, who's got more money, the captain or the potential chairman? Because <laughs> it, was, it was the same. Knighton had, had done it all on, you know, a bit like the Glazers when they put Manchester United, but they got away with it. You was know, Knighton, Knighton kidnapped by aliens at one point or something? Or he said he'd been, he'd been buzzed by an alien spaceship or something in his, in his Lamborghini or... Yeah, apparently so. He was at Roswell or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's uh, it's the, one of those things, one of those charlatans that 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 got in but couldn't couldn't get in. I mean, people forget that Robert Maxwell was going to buy Manchester mm. United mm. and couldn't come up with the, with the money at the optimum time. I mean, that that mm. would have been funny when when he joined the Drifters in 1991. <laughs> it, you know, he'd have, he'd have been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Bob, uh, Bob, I'm sure Oxford regard it as their game, though. You know that they're not really happy that that didn't go through. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh no, definitely, definitely. So, um, well, it's look. It, but going back to, to to Greg, I I do wonder because what you have to remember with Greg right the way through his time at Brighton and Albion, Bill Archer was always in the background of the Stanley Family Trust. Archer was all there, but was always their bag man. I don't know, uh, you know, and we can only speculate at what point Archer came to the Goldstone and thought, "Hold on, we can, you know, we can do, still, we can do something here." Because I have, I have no qualms whatsoever. Belotti was there, Patsy. He he was there, Lee Harvey Oswald, for younger mm. listeners. Um, he was there, Patsy, right? He was there back in. He just put my God knows what they promised him, but I don't think he ever got it. Hmm. Stanley was, you know, the the integral, but the but the real brains behind it all was Archer, and I hmm. know in my heart of hearts, and I'll go to my grave. They sold it to themselves when they did that sell on, hmm. so they sold it for the seven million, didn't they? 
and then sold yeah, one for the 24 million. Mm, and it was yeah. all shelf companies mm. and things in the Cayman Islands and things like that. And we'll never get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it just smacks of it, doesn't it? It's so yeah. obvious. Um, for, for all our the brain, this is the frustrating it? thing. Yeah. This is the frustrating yeah. thing that that we didn't. Well, we we just couldn't do. We, mm. uh, we were almost powerless because the deal had been done. Yeah, and there are some very intelligent people hiding you know, it humanly as well. You know, I mean, that's what Liam, Liam Brady didn't even see the iceberg. He knew something was up. Because Liam Brady, um, my my son was born on Tuesday the 18th of April 1995, and we played Wick and Wanderers that night. I didn't go to the game because I had to look after <laughs> my daughter. Um, but Liam Brady actually resigned after that game and then was talked out of it by... Um, Jimmy Case and Jerry Ryan, and then he didn't resign until the November of uh, you know of that after after the Canby Island debacle, and um mm. and so he so he knew something was up. Um, mm. I, I just but you see, we, we when we had the, all the fans meet, meetings in the summer of nine ninety five when all this blew blew up, we had to say how far were we prepared to go to save our, our club, and I know people went a very long way but back then I was working for someone else I had a mortgage I had two small children you know and some of the younger fans were were even more partisan and passionate and there are boundaries I had a kid phone me up at tribes when I was working at tribes on a Friday telling me that he'd hatched this plan to snatch Belotti's kid from outside his school in Eastbourne, and I said, "You can't do that." He said, "No, no, no, no. That will just put a pin of put the fear of God into." So you can't stop abducting kids. But it did give it's me a major a crime. Of, well, <laughs> no, but it did. Be, but it gave me a bit of leverage because it gave me that. As Norman Stanley Fletcher talked about, life's little victories. I wasn't breaking any laws, but I took great delight telling him in hushed tones telling David Bellotti the following Monday on the phone what I had averted. So he knew what some people yeah. were prepared to do. And that was probably just as good as snatching the kid. Um, <laughs> or, yeah. Do you think overall that Greg Stanley gets away with it a little bit in the, in the Albion history books almost? I mean, well, there's a lot of, a lot of attacks yeah. on Archer and Bellotti, but, and the well, songs no, about them, that sort Peter, of thing. But... Peter, Peter does, does he? Because... Um, many years ago, or many years later, um, I, I forget the name of the pub, so, so I won't say it, but there's a pub in East Preston. And by then, Mrs. Stanley had left, uh, exited stage left with half of the family fortune. She'd done very well out of it. But bearing in mind, she had to bear him those kids and, and put up with him for all those years. And he was at the bar on New Year's Eve, um, early in the evening, with two women who my grandmother would have described as scrubbers. And um, <laughs> he was buying them drinks. And then, and then they, they, they basically, you know, went off on, on his and fucked off them, but I didn't. They basically <laughs> went off. Right? Sorry, and, you've been uh, swearing already. You said Archer a few times. <laughs> no, and, then, and then at midnight, when everybody's with, Greg Stanley had this forlorn, he was at the, the bar. And a lad I know was there with his wife and friends. And he went around there. He's still an Albion season ticket holder. And he, and he put his arm around Greg 
and he said, Greg, I'm not going to wish you Happy New Year. I'm going to say to you, you get everything you deserve. <laughs> See ya. And, you know, it's those little, it's, again, it's another Norman Stanley Fletcher, large little victories. For whatever they did, and all right, our, our archers are up, up country. Bellotti and Stanley had a life sentence for the rest of their lives, knowing that wherever they went in the world, as we all know, you'll always bump into a Brighton fan. And if the yeah. time is right, they'd have got a mouthful. If, if, if I'd seen him on holiday and there was no gendarmes or civil guard around, I'd have told them what I thought. And they must have had that. Every restaurant, every bar, every shop they ever went into, is there going to be someone in there who, who, who knows what I've done? And are they going to have a go at me? You don't have to be violent. You know, yeah. the, the, the tongue is mightier than the fist. You know, so you just... And they had that for the rest of their lives, didn't they? Yeah, fair point. I just meant more in terms of obviously all the songs are about Archer and Bellotti and all that, and everyone kind of forgets. I think in some ways forgets Stanley, but yeah, you make a good point, I suppose, in terms. The of... The thing is, though, that he's one, he's one of those guys, and I, I've known people like this, and I've worked for them, who you know they they take what should be good things, you know, because you know that the, a sort of bonhomie and uh, you know a certain likability when you first meet them, and they use it. Uh, they they twist it and they use it against you and they use it to connive and get what they want and people will say he wasn't really competent he didn't know what he was doing but he knew enough I think um, and you know he presented himself as our mate he sat there didn't he Ian in, in sort of um, beast oh, yeah. meetings at the Concord and told us all these great plans he had with Guns and Roses were going to play on the pitch at the new ground weren't they yeah, and, uh, yeah. and you know you just but look you, back on that and you think the dishonesty time? of it. Mm. Do you remember that guy, that meet at that one for the York? It was five days, but it was the Monday before the York City game. So we'd had the trouble at the Carlisle game yeah. the previous week. We had two home games last ninety five, ninety six. Mm. So we so we'd already gone down. I think we went down at Notts County. So we had the the Carlisle game where we nearly got where we got into the director's box, but they locked all all the doors. And then we invited him to a fans meeting. And he turned up because he hadn't been to, and we, we were down at the Concord. Mm. And basically, God rest his soul, Tony Millard got him out of there alive because he kept contradicting himself. Yeah. And it and it was a baying mob. And we um and we broke for five minutes for a fag break or drink break or whatever. And Millard was out the the, the back of him, and Pete and I were there. And Millard said to him. Greg, you've got to give these people something. You've got to give them a little bit of hope because the, 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 the distance from the stage to the front door, you won't get out of here alive. And do you, I, I, were you there, Nick, when he got up? We'll leave the gold stone over my dead, dead <coughs> body. I'll do everything I can. You know, it was, it was like... I don't think was, I was at that one. I was, I was at it, a previous one. It, but it was all More bullshit, about... but everybody was... Yeah up and up and running but then the Yorks by then yeah. um you know we, we'd had letters uh on the wednesday recorded delivery from Bellotti. so obviously there were spies in there saying because the york city thing was was basically our chance to show the mainstream media uh, i think it was less less than 100 days before euro 96 to actually um show what was going on at the album. Mm. The original plan was half time. 
because we wanted it in the halftime break of Grandstand to actually be breaking news. Yeah. I think too much Foster's was consumed at the Hove Park Tavern previously. And when the first people went on after 13 minutes, all, all, all bets were off by then. Mm. But I remember Le Leesy had, had me on the show um, about 20 to 3 and said, there's talk of, um, uh, you know, disruption and, and things like that. What have you heard? Uh, and I, I almost pleaded the Fifth Amendment. It's like Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I said, John, I can't say what's going on because it wouldn't be fair. But what I will say is football our people's life is, is, is a big part of people's lives. Once you start interfering with people's lives, you've got to be prepared to take the consequences. Hmm. And that is how I left it. And then, you know, within half an hour, the, 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 the posts were down and um, it was all, you know, it was all done. Yeah. And it gets the it thing, and, you and, have but, to do something, don't you? And but the good thing is I had people ringing me up in America I had people ringing. It was on Channel Nine in uh, Channel Nine late news in Australia. In, in English soccer, soccer game abandoned. You know, so it got the message out there. Maybe it was nine months too late. Maybe we should have done it at the first home game after they'd sold the ground. But we live and learn, don't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, the fanzine itself was endorsed by Obi-Wan Kenobi as the best in the galaxy. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Yeah. yeah I was well, looking back at some old pictures no, that, that's, online. No, that's, 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 that's issue 100. You, that is the last one, isn't you, it? Exactly you, you've got episodes. the last one. Because we've yeah. done, and you see, the, the problem was that we kept endorsing it because the previous one was um, that we'd got a commendation at the, yeah, but we'd got a commendation at the, at the European Fanzine Awards in Budapest. <laughs> and everybody was coming up, congratulations, congratulations. <laughs> and it was, and you know, and we were the favourite fanzine in Robbie Fowler's household. And, you know, and, and all stuff like that. But it was bravado. But yeah. the good thing is it galvanised people. And sadly, um, for, I'm sure many people listening will, will know that we've lost Stuart Ashby this week um, or last week. who was a big Albion fan, a big part of the of the uh, struggle and, and and I think of all all the people that I wouldn't have met if I hadn't been in, involved with this wonderful club and this wonderful or well, not a wonderful struggle but with the battle your Paul Welsh's your your, your Ed Bassford's Roy Shooter people that I would call that that were real friends and um you know and and, and we've lost them and 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 you know and good old Sarah Watts you know I've Sometimes Sarah and I didn't didn't agree on certain things, but at the end of the day, she like me bled blue and white, and uh, and, and and we both had a common love of the Albion, and um, this is the good thing, you know, that I've had to sit through three Attila the stockbroker gigs, which had I not <laughs> been involved with this, I would never have gone to, you know, and and and, and I've told I've told some uh, of my Jim Davidson gags to Attila. He doesn't appreciate them, but I had the chance to tell them to. But you know, your Paul Sambers and, and your and your and your other people, Darren Mackay and and um, Kieran Maguire, and all the people that's brought us together, and we've got this bond. You know, it, I don't want to sound crass, but it is almost like a band band of brothers. Now I get I get very and sadly it's less and less now. I used to get very dewy eyed 
but not in an unprofessional way when I ever did a war veteran because all these old boys would turn up in their berets and, and we'd have the, the flag on the coffin. And these boys made a real sacrifice. I mean, my, my mate, little Nige, um, his dad was at D-Day. He was 18 years old, John. And there were 40 people in their landing craft aged between 18 to 21. And by the time they got to the, to, to, to the beach, there was only nine of them left. And we went and actually scattered John's ashes on that beach because he said that beach never left him. And he lived his life for the rest of for those 31 boys that got shot down. And almost without trying to trivialise what I've just said is that, that we've got this bond as Brighton fans that will, that will never be taken away from us because of what we've been through. We've been, you know, when I speak to other fans of other, other clubs, we've been 13 points adrift at the bottom of Division 4. Right, there's not many teams have done that, and also and not just 13 points adrift, but also would go out of business probably if it happened as yeah, well. Yeah, teams yeah, have been adrift yeah, and gone yeah, down. So, and, so, so, you know, so it, was, it was the end of the club basically, wasn't yeah. it? it was like, We've basically been on the guillotine, and then the guillotine's broken, haven't we? Really, yeah. and that's what you get yeah. with like, all these like big team comments about you know, kind of oh, you're jealous of us, that sort of thing. I'm not in the least bit jealous of big clubs because the stuff that we've been through as Albion fans, they couldn't even imagine as that in, no. in their clubs. It's not even, you know, a season in Division, what was Division 2 is bad for them. You know, it's not... We, yeah, I mean, we've, we've got stories to tell. We've, we've come back with probably the greatest survival story of all time, you could say. There was a thread on, um, on a well-known um, website um, that said, you know, what's your, what, what does supporting the album mean to you? And I just said, you know, lots of things. I mean, I can't lost count of the number of promotions and relegations and yeah. but also the marches and everything. But there's one thing we can say that Arsenal, Manchester United, all those people can't. We can look around the Amex and say, this is here because of us. Because, mm. you know, we marched for this and we wrote letters and we filled in petitions and we did this. And, you know, we... Okay, you know it's it's also there largely because of Tony Bloom putting in ninety three million quid. But there wouldn't have been anything for him to put into if we if we hadn't sort of done those things and kept that going. And you know, we'd have been, the, the we'd have been is, playing in some field in Gillingham or or nowhere for the rest of all time. I mean, the the, the date it went from eighty eight to ninety seven, didn't it? The fans, so it's nine years. The, yeah. I mean, the first of those years predates the the worst of what we what was to come. I mean, how much do you think that? That being no, set no, in but you place. See, this is the whole thing, of... Russ. I think the the don't forget Greg was already there. Hence the, yeah. the hence, yeah. hence the so it is still, yeah, I right. think with the knock on effect from Bamba and then Bedson and then Sison as the chairman, I think yeah. we were in the financial car. I think the the um the club was flax lining. I I, I think the nineteen ninety one playoff was, was almost like a blip. I think it was going down. That was, up, that was my first season. I thought I was going yeah. to be like kind of the norm at that point. Yeah, no, no <laughs> they just probably couldn't believe their luck. Um, mm. And and uh, and I think that it was almost build building up. So what what it, it was almost like that swan which looked, glides along the the water and underneath is is going like frantic like that. I think we mm. were sinking then anyway. Mm. Can I um, can I just say that uh, you know the business of you fi- of the, the guy who finally got to uh, wish. Um, Greg Stanley, a happy new year. Yes. Gary Chivers has never forgiven David Ellery for that wrong corner decision in that playoff final 
and uh, pursued him into the toilets at a restaurant one just to nag him about it, you know. And, um, so, you know, that's... Um, yeah. Do you think any of this would have been averted if we had gone up? Or would it still have been the same? Would it come straight back down the same problem? I, I think I think it would have been embarrassing. I mm. honestly do. I mm. think I think we'd have. Well, I'm not. We would never. We would never know because it never happened. But I think the, the I think the way the club was going, we wouldn't have strengthened because we didn't have the money, and I think we might only might have ended up with the lowest. Ever points total. Just bear in, in mind, top. Notts County and Brighton were both relegated the next season. Yeah, we went we went down from uh, from yeah. the second yeah. division. Yeah. 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 yeah, in you know in the top flight, I, I think we might have got the lowest point, but we will never know. So, hmm. it, it, and we'd have had the same know. problems anyway financially, probably. It wouldn't have been. Yeah. It, was, yeah. no, it wasn't I, like there was I, the Premier League money that there is now or something. So, yeah, I, th- hmm. I think the die was cast, and 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 I think. Um, you know, but people forget that uh, that Jimmy Media was very, very astute. The Albion basically, with with the with the players' um, deals that had been uh, arranged, because I because I know Vinicom tried to well did write it in the Arg- Argus about the bonuses, and Fozzie never spoke spoke to him again. It was like Batman and Bruce Wayne. If we had a goal's eye function, we could have Vinicom or Foster. We couldn't have them both. They couldn't be seen in the same room. Because, um, but they got the same bonuses for both the final and the replay. They they got huge bone bonuses, which I don't begrudge them. Because if Bamber and Co are silly enough to uh, uh, pay it, but from this, if you think that the FA Cup was lucrative for the Albion, it nearly all went out on player uh, bonuses. I mean, Steve Gatton bought a house for cash in the summer of '83. Up in Tongding Lane. Yeah, which is nice. Rings a bell from somewhere, Tongding Lane. <laughs> yeah. Um, in in regards to the the fancy, so obviously it started in '88. Now you were yeah. you were Lenny Ryder, obviously on there on there yeah. as well. Yeah. I've got to ask you where that name come came from to start with. Um, it was a con man that I knew in Manchester. Um, I I, oh, I right. had a I I briefly lived in Man Manchester when I when I I, I had a relationship breakdown. And it, it was my it it was my lost weekend as John Lennon would call it, but it was eighteen months and it was great fun. And I met some really good people that are still friends now. And I met a lad called Leo Keep, who currently is in strange ways now. So old habits die hard. And and his non his non de plume was Leonard Arthur Ryder. Um that was the one that he used to do, do all the funny checks with uh, and okay. in people. So I thought, you know, I'm 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 gonna make him famous. Lenny I've Ryder. always wondered. I'm glad you finally solved it. It's yeah, been bugging yeah. me for years. Because, I've kept meaning to because, ask um, because then we we had when we had the injunction in 1990, we had to bring out goals here for one edition because yeah. we were stopped when we were going to call. I assume that was just goals. a misprint. No, no, it's goals here, <laughs> and I was Lionel Paul Humphreys in that, and um, <laughs> and I was the Tariq Ali. I could describe myself as the the Tariq Ali of the terraces. Um, <laughs> and uh, my, my dad, because I came in with goals here, because my dad was quite frowned upon when, when the writ had turned up and everything. He said, what's this goals here then? He said, um, I said, oh, it's some lads that we know that they've taken it on. He said, this Lionel Paul hum- Humphreys is you. You, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you'll end up getting sued again. Uh, and I, it was a, 
happy days and I, and I, and I look upon with, with so much, even though it was bad, I, I look upon it with so much affection and, and, and yeah. you, you can laugh about things in a, a you know, a, 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 it's just the, the, the phone rang at half 11 one night and woke the kids up when, when they were small babies. And it was one of the lads on, on, on the goals on mailing list in Texas not the home care store, the state, <laughs> asking me what was going on. Because you can imagine Mrs. Hart was well chuffed about that with a little baby. And then when, when it all broke in 95, um, John Campbell, who was one of the directors who sued us in 1990, I was, um, I just got Sam off to sleep. Sue was working and, and, and the phone went and, uh, We'd had, we'd, we'd had to pay them £8,000, which was a lot of money back then. Um, um, and we couldn't have done it without the, the fans and all the, all, all the fundraising. And John Campbell said, um, is that you, Ian? And I said, yeah. He said, it's John Campbell here. I went, right. He goes, Jesus Christ has come into my life. I said, oh, well, well done. He goes, and Jesus Christ has asked me to ring you to ask for your forgiveness. And he is your eight I grand said, back. No, no, I said, has Jesus Christ got eight grand back? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, no, fun, uh, fun enough. But I, but I have done a, a, cut, a couple of these podcasts with John. John, John was, John, if you think um, that Stanley and Archer were sharks, I think John was a swordfish. So, you know, as bad as he was, he, 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 he did some bad things, but he never got near what they did. And, um, and he, he's an Albion season ticket holder now and a supporter. So, so it just goes to, to show, and of course, my, my big nemesis was Barry Lloyd, who I now is a friend of mine. And, uh, and, we, and we often have a drink and I see him. And uh, he, he's a good football man, uh, you know, and a good man, Barry Lloyd. And he, he, um, he took a lot of stick, but you know he he, he was including from some people on Girls' Eye. Well, no, no, <laughs> yeah, but but that's the whole point. But because we didn't know the whole picture, yeah, and we were younger. What you got to remember is when I start first started writing Girls' Eye, I was younger than both my children are now. Mm. My son's twenty six, my daughter's twenty nine. I was twenty four, and I have to say I was very immature twenty four, as I'm a very immature fifty seven year old. <laughs> But um, I, I, I just feel that Barry, if Barry had been a bit more upfront with us and a bit more, had, had a bit more gravitas, and I think if things had come out uh, uh, earlier, I'm going to have to go, Sean. Quickly, one thing about Barry Lloyd was going to take us into administration, which would have effectively saved the Goldstone, but he knew that he'd have probably lost his job and Archer and Stanley stopped him on the, on the steps of the um, high court when they came up with the 48585 thing. And, uh, you know, Barry did so, so much. He was managing director and he was manager. And I, and I think when, when you talk about Albion heroes and people who've read my fanzine, I think, bloody hell, you've, you've changed your tune. Barry Lloyd is a genuine hero. Gentlemen, I've got to leave you now. And, and, I, and yeah. I feel that. I've got to come back to part two. It was done. Yeah, you definitely, definitely have you back on here. That's really interesting. Definitely, definitely, really yeah. I mean, that's great. Sorry, you've got to go, but thanks for coming on. It's been cheers, a pleasure boys. to have you with us. Excellent. Right. Cheers, cheers. Um, what we'll do, we'll, we'll take a break there, and if Nick, you're able to hang on with us, and um, we'll yeah, sure. just ask you a few more bits about 
Goalseye, and also from what um, I can remember, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and also we'll do a little preview on the Villa game as well. So that's coming up right. just in a moment. So we're back with part two. Uh, Ian has left us. We still have Nick with us, uh, which is great um, to hear. And um, Nick, I mean, we were talking there with Ian, or rather we're listening to Ian talking. Absolutely, yeah, it's all gone a bit quiet now, hasn't it, now that he's gone? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. We were just saying off air, you know, he's, he's one of those get-up-and-go guys, and, and, and there's nothing he hasn't really put his hand to. It's, uh, as you said, he pretty much talked his way into broadcasting as well, you were saying. Mm. And, um, of course, he was doing the, uh, the post-match... Um, uh, phone-ins, wasn't he, on the BBC yeah. at, uh, for quite a while. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, he just seems to be a man everybody knows. No, no, uh, no, he's, he's one of those guys where we, if you see him on, you know, countdown, getting to the, uh, no, uh, <laughs> on pointers, getting to the final, you think, well, of course, you know, why wouldn't he be doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, well, who else would you expect him to be? <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's great. I love, I love a bit of hearty. He's great. Um, but, but Nick, from your side of it, just going back with the goal's eye and, and obviously your, your part. So when did you come into it? So you, were you there from pretty much the beginning? And, and well, all, I'm, all the trying to, I'm trying to remember. I'm thinking that when I'm, I'm aware of Van Smith must score and I remember thinking, you know, oh, uh, you know, fanzine's great. I'm, I've got to get into that. And I remember they used to sell... Gull's Eye um, at the southeast corner of the Goldstone on the steps of the old church there. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's um, where I used to get it from. Yeah. I'm hmm. struggling to remember as well whether the T-shirts or the fanzine came first. Were the T-shirts um, an offshoot of the fanzine? You remember Safer's Houses, the Golian Trousers for Perry yeah. Digweed, and we've got a Maltese International and, of course, the Football <laughs> Genius T-shirts. Gary yeah. Chivers has got one of those. We've got a Maltese um, International so, and of course, he, he wasn't a Maltese international for the simple reason <laughs> that the, the qualification criteria were too strict. They asked him before a game against the Republic of Ireland um, if he spoke Maltese, which he didn't really, whether he was born in Malta, which he hadn't been, his, his father had, and whether he had a, a Maltese um, spouse, which he and his wife was British. Um, but the irony was that he would easily have qualified for, for the Republic of Ireland team on any of those criteria, because that, mm. they were far less stringent than, than Malta was. So, in fact, he was a, a failed Maltese international, not because he wasn't good enough. He was easily <laughs> been good enough, but because he, he couldn't yeah. qualify, um, he didn't satisfy the uh, the criteria. It, it um, seems bizarre Malta would be so picky, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, I know, but there you go. That's, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I don't remember whether I basically blagged my way into the fanzine or whether Ian asked me... Um, I think I basically said, look, you know, um, do you want contributions? And, uh, you know, yeah, he said, you've got to do this, you know, you've got to typeset yourself or whatever it is. And I think I probably just sent him a column and he, hmm. he printed it. So, um, yeah, but I mean, no, no, it was, it was, um, <clears throat> it was the start of something, wasn't it? And, you know, it, it sort of, there was a, a line of continuity through that and the Independence Supporters Association. And of course, it was natural that when there were the meetings at the Concord, that uh, Ian and Peter would be sort of chairing them and, um, yeah, and uh, and uh, but equally, you know, once once some of the battles had been uh, seemed to have been fought, you know, they they well, they never became respectable. But I do remember them uh, actually sponsoring a match, and I remember going to um, there were game. In fact, I believe it was rained off. I think they sponsored a game against Cardiff, 
<clears throat> and so we all piled into the uh, the lounge underneath the west stand and uh, I think and then Harty went up to look at the, the pitch and said you don't think this game's going ahead lads so instead of going <laughs> upstairs to take our seats and watch the game we just basically stayed in the uh, in the lounge for the whole afternoon uh, which was in itself a very goals eye way of spending a Saturday <laughs> afternoon but um, <clears throat> yeah so you know it was um yeah and, and as as Ian was saying you know all the all the people who you know, you you later found out were part of it. You know that the some the, the other people hiding behind the various sort of uh, anonymous names were people like Paul Sammer and Paul Welch and you know and the Head Bassford and all the you know the the basically the 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 leaders of the the fight to, to keep the club's yeah. head above water really. So it was uh, you know it was going to just be a very minor part of uh, of what turned out to be a big movement. Well, it's amazing. You know, you kind of. So many, yeah, so many years before Falmouth or all and everything like that, that everyone was gathered together, but kind of under aliases, they didn't really know well, who they were. And the, the the forces were massing, weren't they? You know, and, and it, it was it was a sort of early mobilisation of those forces, and, and a, not exactly a radicalisation. Um, I don't think Ian would would see it in those terms, but you know, the 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 sense that you know, if if something had to be done, then then mm. we were going to have to to stand up and do it. I really don't count myself, <clears throat> you know, on, on the same level as, as those people who, you know, truly stood up. You know, the Falmer for All team, you know, I wasn't able to, uh, you know, I was elsewhere on a lot of those evenings, you know, sort of reporting games at mm-hmm. Charlton and, and Chelsea and West Ham and those things. And it wasn't something, unfortunately, I, as I now look back, you know, that I couldn't give my time to a um, you know, and I was, I was in a way, you know, working for a national newspaper would have been expected to sort of stand above that and not not get involved. But um, you know, every any chance as as anyone who read me regularly to you know that I had to to you know, get a mention in and sort of plug the the Falmer thing, you know, that it was amazing, you know, where you could actually get those plugs in if you really put your mind to it. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, I was I was able to sort of help in in a small way. Uh, but not as you know, perhaps not as hands-on as I'd like. And, but you know, fant- fantastic respect to those guys who. Uh, but then every mention of it in you know, no major newspapers that sort of thing would get a you know big view. You know, people a lot of people would read it probably. So yeah, it, it was interesting because obviously you know it, uh, both the, the Times sports editor and deputy sports editor also lived in Brighton, and um, you know both knew what was going on. And but I suppose. They had, you know, 91 other football clubs to, mm-hmm. to cover as well. But, you know, they, they made sure I got to the York City game, you know, and they ran a big double page spread on it the, the next day. And, for, you know, when, um, <clears throat> when we were at, um, at with Dean and they wanted some uh, publicity for, the, for um, Albin in the community, you know, when um, Charlie Oatway uh, went public on his, uh, his difficulties with reading, you know, they... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, when the, the club said, "Could you know, can you get that in the Times?" You know, the, the Times gave, uh, I think, three or four pages, you know, on, in the Monday supplement, and gave it a big push, and we were able to sort of get in a sort of a big, you know, big spiel about how this is what the club was doing with just a couple of porter cabins, and just think what it could be could do, um, you know, for the community if it had proper facilities at a proper stadium, and you know, when they sent me down to to, to do the um, the playoff final um, in Cardiff and you know, obviously made sure that all the, the photographs of the banners and everything, all the messages to John Prescott got, got put in there. So, uh, um, a very hard game to report on, though, impartially sitting there. It must be really tough to impartially support, report on Albion. I mean, I, I, I know for a fact that I'm it not impartial. Is, it, is, it is terrible. <laughs> it is very difficult to report impartially. In fact, 
Um, the, the aim is to be so impartial that you're, you're almost criticised for, you know, for, for going too far the other way. And, you know, the, the, the equally, almost the, the worst thing is that is the temptation not to slaughter your own team if, you, if they've let you down, which luckily, you know, under Graham Potter, you know, that, that doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, no, it's, um, in a way, you know, it was, it was a sort of evil trade-off, really, that, you know, the times I was probably professionally most successful, um, you know, and, and reporting Super Bowls and World Cup games and stuff like that was, was when the Albion were almost at their lowest ebb. And, you know, I was saying, oh, can I, can I report the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Hartlepool game and say, no, 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 you've got to do this Premier League game and blah, 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 you know, and you've got, you know, we're paying you to do this, you know, we're not paying you to be a Brighton fan. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, there, there were those things, you know, kind of took away from it. So, um, but you, you know, you're the, 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 reporting the Hereford or Doncaster game. Uh-huh. Doncaster, I insisted I was going. But, you know, the last game at the, at the Goldstone, um, I was uh, I, I had a ticket and went as a fan. Hereford, no, unfortunately, I was um, I was at some bloody dreary uh, Southampton against Blackburn or something. And Glenn Moore of the Independent was passing me messages, you know, about the, the, the score, and he forgot to tell me the final whistle had gone. So, you know, I, about five minutes after, I said, Glenn, Glenn, I said, oh, no, 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 it's been over five minutes. No, you're safe. You know, I think, oh, thanks, Glenn. But, um, no, but the, the, the worst one was probably Doncaster at the first game at the Amex um, when I had to go and report on Steve McLaren's return to English football at uh, Nottingham Forest. So I was watching Nottingham Forest nil, Barnsley nil, while the Albion were, were, were beating Doncaster Rovers. I'd been to the Spurs friendly and I'd been to the Sussex Senior Cup final. So, I sort of felt I'd got a, a sort of proxy experience, but um, no, that was that was another one I missed. But um, yeah, and I was doing stuff for the indie then, and um, no, so in a way, you know, you could uh, you could say that was a more important game. But then I, I found the horror of horrors. They sent a Palace fan to do the Brighton Doncaster game. You know, you think, ironic, you think of any sports fan would their, their dream job would be be a sports journalist. But actually, if you're a proper football fan like we are. Yeah. It means oh, yeah, no, no. It, I'm, I'm unless you're a local journalist. It's terrible. It's, you know, some of the, some real sort of hearts, you know, tugging moments of when I've been at, you know, I've been on the, the, the on the train, you know, passing Withdean Stadium, you know, filling up for an Albion game. And I've been on my way to Chelsea or, you know, Arsenal or Tottenham thinking, God, I wish I was going there yeah. instead. You know, because uh, that's Not many the way but, that. <laughs> it's um you know the trouble is you don't get paid to be to be a fan and you know the, yeah. my missus was used to three square meals and you know it was um i have to say it's a pretty well well paid job and high status job and um you know all the sort of trips to the states and the trips around europe and everything uh were some compensation some compensation absolutely <laughs> yeah. it's, I know it's on the day we lost probably one nil to Walsall when they had nine men you probably weren't so worried as, as compared to the day that no, we... no I've, I was I've you know I've I've had my share of of, of with no the word I remember is the the four three home defeat by Rochdale you know I, I still think one. I've got clothes that haven't dried out from that <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I missed that one I heard it was like of all the wet days I think I missed the two wettest days that we've done. I missed that and I think Mill home when we won four one was the yeah. other one I'm told was about the wettest as well, and I missed both of those for different reasons. And yeah, well, well, I, I could assure you, you didn't. That was one to one to miss. <laughs> no, no, the Walsall one I didn't see, but yeah. uh, um, no, but uh, you know, on on the plus side, I made sure I got to the Dagenham Redbridge game, 
Um, right. I reported the Man City Cup tie. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I remember a friend of mine saying, yeah. oh, I bet you were on the pitch at the end. I said, no, I was actually trying to filing my rewrite, you know, after the penalties had gone in. Well, said, what oh. were the media facilities like at Withdean? Well, they were they were actually undercover. I mean, they were in, in just more or less next to the um, the PA hut. Um, so undercover, unless the wind was coming from the back of the the stand, in which case you got a bit wet. But um, no, um, well, they were intimate. There was about I think, well, Nick, about six. Your moniker is not Andy Naylor. Well, the man who is Andy Naylor, Andy Naylor. Um, I mean, even even there, when you're doing the the I local journalism, you hated that name apparently. Did he? Oh, good. <laughs> Makes it more fun, doesn't it? Um, but I mean, even even doing his job, you, I mean, he's not a Brighton fan. I'm sure he has a a secondary affection for for us for through the years and everything. But he's not a Brighton fan. But even even if he was, and covering locally, even then, you can't really enjoy it the same way as Peter says the dream job element because you can't jump around and go on the pitch no, and go nuts um, with your friends. It depends. I mean, You've still got a bright copy, haven't you? If you were work, if in the old days, if you were working for a, a daily paper and you were covering, covering a Saturday game, you wouldn't be filing until Sunday morning. So um, before mm. they discovered that you know you could do an online report, uh, that spoiled mm. everything because of course it meant that everything had to be reported all the time. Um, uh, these days, of course, most of the time, you know, if you're covering a Saturday game, you're doing a, a Sunday report and a Monday report. So yeah, it's um. Unless you've only got some paltry amount of, you know, 300 words, most of the time you're basically watching the game and, and <laughs> writing at the same time. So, no, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's a trade-off, you know. And, and for all, you know, there are fantastic um, compensations. And you know, you in the old days before COVID, you got to speak to the players and the manager mm -hmm. afterwards and uh, and everything, which was which was great, you know. And the Amex and you know the Albion were all, have always been very good from you know from that point of view. You know, one of the best. I don't think there's any members of the press can have a, a bad word to say about the Albion for, for access to players. And uh, and even now, you know, they make players available after games on, on Zoom, you know, and um, you know, pretty much lead the way uh, for, for media relations and did all the way through lockdown. You know, they were they were the first club to start doing regular um, media uh, sessions, but even when there weren't any games to report. So, uh, um, yeah. you know, they're a great. You know, I'm proud to say that you know the club I support is is one of the best ones to to work at and and with. Um, so you know that's that's all great, but uh, I'd still probably rather watch a game from my own seat in the uh, in the in the East Stand Upper than than from the press box. Yeah, and you've got that season ticket. You've got yeah. season ticket up there, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely. I can I can sympathise with those days away when you can't can't be at the game. And um, yeah. I mean, it, it, you're right. I echo what you've said though in terms of from a fan point of view. I think. We have got a club that's really be proud of, not just for the facilities and, you know, all the football we're now playing as well, for that matter, but just the way we handle things. I think it's a really well-run club. Yeah, there's some flaws um, alluded to earlier in this episode. You know, there's things we probably could do better or maybe a little bit too sticky on certain subjects. But overall, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Well you know, when, when we talk about fanzines, you know, the, 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 hmm. the need for, for fanzines, you know, if people think they've got yeah. it tough now because they can't take bottles with tops on into, in, into the, <laughs> the um, you know, God, they should have been there in in 1995 and 96. Yeah. And I remember standing out out in Hove Park, you know, the day after the York game, we were listening to, to Liam Brady, you know, outlining his plans for the um, for the consortium. And, and, you know, you just think if we if we don't if we'd known then, you know, how long the struggle was going to be, you know, you think, well, could we have 
faced that? You know, would you have thought, oh God, no, let's just let it go? But but you yeah, know, you, you can't. You felt like the worst was not over, but certainly we were moving up. And then it was like oh. fourteen years before we got to the MX after that. Yeah, yeah. mad. So well, as as you know, from from helping Dick Knight with his book, you know, as you as you listen to him, you know, detailing all the struggles and everything like that, and you just think. You know, and as he said at the end of his book, you know, if if somebody told you it's going to take you, you know, it's like Moses, you know, you're going to have to go through the desert and for 40 years and you're still not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, you know, that you think, would you would you still have gone through with it? And he said, well, of course, you know, of course you had to because you didn't know how long it was going to be. But, you know, the, in the end, you you weren't winning for yourself you know although obviously if you're a fan you know you you want to keep that club there to support mm-hmm. <coughs> but you know you've got if you're the chairman of a of a club you know as Dick Knight was and as Tony Bloom is now you know you you're guarding that legacy and you're guarding that history for for all the fans you know who who came before you and will come after you mm, absolutely yeah I completely no agree and, yeah <laughs> indeed Sorry, I just got yeah. coughing here because I'm still technically speaking self-isolating with COVID. Yes, oh yes. So, well, please cough away if you need to, Nick. Um, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, one question as well. Have you ever considered changing your name to not Brian Owen or is that going to step too far? Well, there's an element of of homage, isn't there? You know, Andy, Andy was... Um, <laughs> yeah. Andy carried the, you know, that difficult torch of the, the local guy you know with with distinction i mean i i feel him and and he and to some extent let to let brian have had a <coughs> slightly bad reputation you know with or bad press from some albion fans and oh you know why is Naylor saying this transfer isn't going to happen you think well because it isn't he's right you know just uh, don't you know don't shoot the messenger he's the one who's telling you the truth not these these clickbait merchants in the national press mm-hmm. No, to do the job he's, he he did for the Argus for so long, and that, that you know, and, and and Brian has picked up the baton. You know, if people think they they haven't been well served by Andy Naylor and Brian Owen, they should go to some other towns and read some of the rubbish that's served up under the guise of local mm-hmm. journalism. I mean, some of the, you know, they've they've got they've had fair-minded people who uh, have reported the club honestly. Um, too honestly sometimes you know if you've not been banned by your local club you're not doing local journalism right you know it's it's their job to sort of poke into the dark corners and uh, George always said that you know that if if journalism is 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 publishing something somebody doesn't want you to everything else is just public relations and uh, you know they've they've both they both you know looked into stuff and they've they've told the truth as they see it and you know I've been I've known some of the some of the, the transfer stories that have you know gone on over the, the last year. I've never known a summer for so for total BS being report repeated. <laughs> you know, the people, you know, there was a story, you know, in one of the Scottish papers detailing the offer that the Albion are supposedly had made to Odson Edouard. You know, there was no offer, there was no contact, you know, and Andy Naylor and, um, and Brian Owen were, were <clears throat> relentless and consistent on this, and they were right. And yet all they got was, oh, you know, Naylor and Owen don't know it, you know, they don't have the contacts, you know, they, they, all these details in this Scottish story, it must be true. Well, I could make up a load of details for, for you, if you like, it wouldn't make them true. Um, oh, they when um, the stories they run, they're like, so-and-so is considering an offer for someone. Oh. 
It's like, preparing, how does anyone know that you're yeah, considering, an offer. considering an offer? Do me an abs- do me a favour. I mean, really. So that, I mean, they're the, someone's house, weren't they? The Lewis Dunk, the Lewis Dunk to Leicester stories were the worst one. That oh, was all yeah. cooked up by an agent who wanted a better deal for his player at, a, at another club that was nothing to do with his, and he was trying to fan the flames of this Dunk to Leicester story so that he could get a better deal for the defender he he represented with another club. He said, "Oh, you know, they'll they'll be uh, Brighton will be after you, our man, you know, if when Dunk goes to Leicester." Well, you know, you you didn't have to go. You know, two or three phone calls could have knocked that down. You know, easily. The most um, up upfront and honest people around. I, I find it very hard. To well, believe. The, the problem is that that my <laughs> so-called profession is full of people basically sitting on online desks, you know, and just after clicks, and you know, quoting one another. That's the thing. I mean, you know, the, the then it becomes so... a, a fact. Then, if it quotes the original source and then it goes round in circles, it well, ends yeah. up being a fact because everyone's. Well, it ends up being received wisdom. It ends up being, well, what passes for a fact these days, you know, it's, um, I don't know, there are are all sorts of things that, you know, there's a well-known sports website that occasionally, you know, will put out a big, big story saying, you know, we, you know, we go undercover, you know, this is what really happens on, for example, transfer deadline day and these agents talked under, you know, on condition of anonymity, and you think, "Whoa, hold up there, anonymity." <laughs> you know, if I'd if I'd filed a story in, at the Times, you know, and it had all these quotes, so and so spoke under conditions of anonymity. They said, "No, can't publish that. Take it away and get some people talking on the record." And yet, you know, nowadays that seems to be acceptable. No, you know, yeah, probably, you've got so many websites. It's all hearsay. It's, it's all. Say, it's like. You know, so you think, well, wait a minute, who say, who, where do these quotes come from? You know, if, if they're anonymous, you know, who's to say that someone hasn't made them up? Hmm. You know, knowing yeah. some of the people whose names are attached to these things, I'm sure they haven't, but there's nothing to guarantee it if there's no, no actual assigned quotes. Uh, I, can't be, I can't be having that. Uh, maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but I think that uh, people need to speak on the record or else, you know, what's the guarantee yeah. of it being true? Exactly, and if it's not true, then it's not it's not news. That's not the right word to use, is it? Then? Well, as a, a lot of people who say, you know, I'll believe a transfer when I see the guy, you know, holding up the, exactly. the replica shirt outside the you know, outside Lansing, and that's that's the only way. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, there yeah. are always the entertaining ones. Like I think the Mwepu one broke some randomly on North Stand chats from nowhere. No one ever heard of him, and then like a day later, he'd signed on a four year four year deal. Well, there are those things, those things where you think, well, wait a minute, you know, because. Uh, Clubs, generally speaking, you know, in the, in the major professional leagues don't league very much. But, you know, if you're talking about, you know, somebody who's a friend of somebody back in, uh, you know, Zambia or, you know, in Korea, there are those things in, in, in other countries where they do things differently. Um, you know, you think, oh, wait a minute, you know, that, that might be an interesting mm-hmm. thing, you know, that, that um, someone's friends <laughs> have been talking to someone else. Um, but you know things like the things between Brighton and Leicester. You know, no, those you know how those those things happen. And um, you know, the, the classic one is the two plus two equals five. You know, who might need a? And that was a lot of the, the dunk one. You know, that oh, Leicester have just sold Maguire to um, to Manchester United. Therefore, they must be in the market for a new centre half, and they've got eighty million quid. Therefore, they must be in the market for someone who would cost about fifty million. Who might that be? Oh, well, it might be Lewis Dunk. But it didn't take long to, to call, you know, somebody at Leicester and they said, well, no, we've got this guy called Soyuncu. We've been yeah, grooming yeah. for a year. You know, he's ready to go mm-hmm. and, and he's going to take over. And, and you know, I, 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 OK, I, I, that's, I, that, that's that. That's that two plus two. It doesn't equal five yeah, any yeah. longer. 
And ironically, even if it was true, we probably wouldn't have signed a centre half anyway because we had like um, we had Ostergaard coming through, we had Clark, we've got players coming through. So we met on the same thing. So the agent would have been screwed anyway. Dunk's agent basically was 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 telling anyone who would ask him. 97% 97% sure he'll stay at Brighton. But did people ask him? No, because that might have shot their story down. Yeah, exactly. It is a frustrating element, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm on certainly the camp of I'm not too fussed about hearing any stories until, as you said, someone's holding a shirt up. Until then, who cares? I, but it's not, I it's like not just transfer stories. There was, the, it, there, was the, there was the story about uh, Yves Bissouma asking for a transfer. Completely made up. In fact, yeah. I know the bloke who made it up. And um, I, I contacted a colleague of his at uh, the paper he wrote it for, and they said, yeah, well, there you go. That's just him. You know, he gets any old rubbish into his paper because he was at uh, journalism college with the assistant sports editor. Oh. And you think, well, that tells you, doesn't it? Oh, dear, right. <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? Even, really even is. colleagues on his own paper were despairing of that sort of made-up mm. nonsense. Yeah, and it doesn't do anyone any good. And I mean, the thing you said about um, criticism of the local journalists, I do think we do have an element in our support of very brutally critical fans, don't we? I mean, North Sand Chat, you'll find quite a few of them, but not just there on Twitter and elsewhere. We, we really do have some hard-nosed critics, don't we, amongst well, our every, support? everyone does. And, and I suppose that one thing you'd have to say is that, it, that North Sand Chat being the very sort of powerful um, and very well-run organ that it is you know almost everyone's on there if you go to some other clubs you know that um you know they they have a a sort of proliferation of different uh, sites and you know they there are various strengths of uh, vitriol you know and um you know there are possibly more shades of opinion on north stand chat in one place uh, you know, it's, it's it's that sort of the go-to resource for yeah. for everything from traffic news to, to you know sort yes, of political debate. Right. So uh, where, where you can go for a good yeah. Korean meal. Yeah. And, yeah, I think they really genuinely there just don't shoot the messenger, isn't he? It? It's like mm. this is player signed. He sounds really excited or going to sign. It sounds really exciting, and it's you know people spend a day building it up to so the weekend, and then someone asks him, and he goes, "No." Yeah. Well, of course, because people like, don't want. It? People don't want the answer to be no. They want yeah, there exactly. to be some super sexy signing, you know. But uh, you know what, what? What are people like Brian Owen supposed to do? Make make shit up, you know, just to sort of keep people happy. No, and then, and then eventually, the players know, that are rumoured just well, to keep people happy. He does. He goes after the rooms, you know. And I think he he's got very good connections in you know in in Latin America and, and Spain. Mm. And you know, I think uh, I think he was <clears throat> he, he and Andy Noah probably right about uh, Darwin Nunez and, you know, and Benfica, but. Um, you know, I'm afraid you're just just wishful thinking won't make yeah. things happen. And and in the end, you know, he he at the end will see what both these guys will do is pick up a phone, phone someone they know, and yeah. try and find out the truth. All these other people, they'll just think, oh well, I reckon this. So you know, click. Oh, happy with that. Yeah, and that, that's 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 different. That's not journalism. Click click. Uh, I think uh, with as well. The other problem is we're so desperate for a striker as a whole. It's like a fan base. I think to sign a a striker with even slightly a name, you know, someone who could be the new Murray, score the goals, that sort of thing. Yeah. People well, you see, the thing is, any name, and then they're like desperate to sign them, and then Nelly yeah. comes in and has some information and says no, and they're like, well, you know, how well, dare you? See, Edward, I mean, there's, there are probably people waiting with their finger poised over the send button for him to actually score some wonder goal, and so they can say, yeah, you see, we should have signed him. You know, we were right. I have been, literally, yeah, every time he's I've, I've seen before. him, you know, he's all right. He's nothing special. He's certainly nothing special for the money that he seemed, he's alleged to have wanted to, you know, to, to smash our, our wage structure for. 
you know. But of course, the wages don't get reported. The fee might do, but the oh, wages yeah. don't. So people have no idea that he's on. I think reported at eighty to one hundred grand or something like that. Yeah, well, way, is... way, and frankly, way beyond what he's worth from what I've yeah. seen. I've seen, I've seen Palace a couple of times this season, and you know, he's all right. But you know, was he so all right that we would have, you know, would he have, would he have played every game for us? I don't know. He hasn't played every game for Palace. So well, that would have led to allegedly led to people, other players getting increased pay because they're up there. Oh yeah, no, the, the, some some will some will be triggered. You know, have pay rises triggered. And now <laughs> no, I think. Like, well, why am I not getting paid that level as well? I d- they weren't on that. I don't want us to sign people just for the sake of it. You know, we've already got a few yeah. you know surplus strikers that were signed perhaps in desperation, and we've repented it at leisure. And um, Lacardia maybe. <clears throat> for, for, to, to pluck a name out of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wonder about Andona, you know, the, I'm sure there's a striker there somewhere, but there, there are reasons, you know, that people who've seen him close up don't want to pick him. And uh... you know, I, th- I think Andoni does, you can see ability there. Lacardia, I just haven't ever really seen, except the odd glimpse. That Millwall game, he could get... He could, he had yeah, well, that's right. Off. You know, the, in, in the United States, you know, in American sports, they have a saying, you know, if you display a skill, you own it. If you've done it once, you know, then in theory you can do it again. And that was an unbelievably skillful goal, that one at yeah, Millwall. Yeah. But it was against Millwall. Um, you know, that. but we've seen Andone score very clever striker goals. You know, these header at Huddersfield, two headers against Huddersfield that got us six valuable points. Um, that goal against Palace, you know, the goal on, uh, on Potter's first game at Watford. You know, that there's there's a striker there, but there's I also... I think he gave quite a lot for that Palace goal, actually, because he... That was a, it's a cult goal, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, he actually had lost the ball and then got it back again because yeah. Tompkins took it off him. And it was dreadful defending, as, yeah. Assumed he'd done, the, he'd done <laughs> what was necessary and then forgot to get, to, to get the second touch. Yeah, but um, no, but I mean, the pace he showed on that. And, but, you know, I'm prepared to believe that, you know, that there's some other reason why, um, mm. why Graham Potter doesn't want to pick him. And if Graham Potter doesn't want to pick him, then that's fine with me. I'm just really glad we picked him up that summer rather than summer before on the allegedly £18 million pounds he was going to cost or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you I never know. There could be another story in it, couldn't there? There could be a, a second coming. Hey, well, look, Shane Duffy's come purple. back. I, mean, I, thought, I think we all thought we'd mm. seen the, the, the back of Shane Duffy, and, and yet, you know, here he is, and aren't we happy? But um, so. Yeah, people have read know, off think... Pascal Gross and, <coughs> um, and Bruno as well in the past, and they've come back, and when people thought they were on the wane, and they've. Mm. They've, they've stuck and, and stepped back up again. So you, the you difference is that Donny never really had the time where he was brilliant for us, whereas Grosh mm. and Duffy obviously have had you know, only, really good only little flourishes, wasn't it? They're both yeah. one player of the year, for example. Yeah. Different, you know, difficult, you know. isn't it, though, for for a striker? You know that that you know that, that if you're if you're a central defender or you know um, a central midfield player, you tend to sort of play runs of games. Mm. You know, whereas with yeah. strikers, they're the sort of in they're interchangeable. You know, they're, they're mm. subbed on and off and it's it's you know it's like wingers really it's it's a it's a hard thing to sort of nail down a position and um, because they're usually the first positions where where for change is made they're you know they're not going to think oh well let's, who should we change let's take a centre half off actually Graham Potter is the one sort of manager who might do that but um... look at look at Mope currently I mean he had a decent start to the season and now we're playing with no striker the last mm. two games rather than playing with him which yeah. <laughs> that, I, did, that decent start to the, to the season. What is it? Four, four wins in five and no wins since. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm worried about. I'm yeah, people talk about our great start and you know where we're going to finish and I'm thinking well we've now we're now back to to where we were last season, you know, lots of draws 
draws against teams mm. we should be beating, draws against teams who should be beating us, but draws nonetheless. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look at the Liverpool game, that was cancelled out by Newcastle because if we'd lost, yeah. you're saying on the last pod, if we'd lost one nil, four nil to Liverpool and beaten Newcastle one nil, we'd be better off now. Yeah, yeah. Um, only that, that um, Norwich game as well. You know that yeah. that they're oh, being yeah, they were being thrashed by everyone, and we could barely get a shot on target against them. That you was know, terrible, you, wasn't it? Really was. Yeah. And, and I mean, Villa again. I, I, I will get on to pre- previewing the game just in a minute, but um, I think I could see that being a draw again as well. There, if they're lucky. Take a draw, I mean, to be honest, given they've got with Gerard. the feel-good factor they've gonna, they're going to have at the match. There's an interesting thing difficult. about that because Stephen Gerrard has seen us play this season um, in that friendly against Rangers. We've seen a Stephen Gerrard team play as well, but I don't know that if that's going to help us figure out what's good, what Villa are going to be like. I mean, in a way. You know, he knows mm. what we're going to play like. He's got all the footage and we don't. We have no clue what a Gerard Aston Villa is going to look like. But he may yet have no idea as well. Well, that's, the, wrong that's the hope, isn't it? Uh, with a bit of luck, you know, they'll they'll set out to show him just how appalling they really can be at the back. But, but also, he doesn't know what the best team is, though, because he's not played it. So yeah, I'm yeah. hoping that they, yeah. they don't I mean, you can yet. have a new manager bounce, but I do think maybe you can also have a scenario where it's a bit too early for the new manager's yeah. reign and you can still get in ahead of time before he... Settles into his well, trial. Anyhow, I think he started yet when he had his new manager bounce and got a draw against us. Yeah. So. Well, who we won't have um, in the dugout, the opposite dugout, is Dean Smith because he's going to be coming up against Southampton for the second time in a row. Oh. This is Premier League history, apparently. First time that's ever happened yes. where a manager has faced the same team in a league Premier League match, Premier League era, I'm presuming they're talking about. Um, uh, two consecutive games in a row. So that's going to be a bit of an oddity. It's, um, it's an odd one. Yeah, I, I reported that. Um, Southampton Villa came and and it were two two poor teams. The Villa defending for the the Southampton goal was an absolute joke entry, and um, you, That's you just, but you know you wonder whether whether Gerard will. I suppose in a way he's got to see how bad it can be before he can fix it. So with a bit yeah, of luck, true. you know he'll get a, a close up mm-hmm. uh, view of that on Saturday. But um, yeah. We'll see. What have we done? We've lost there and, and won there in the last two two seasons. So yeah. bit... if that last minute oh. defeat was a real gutter. Yes. We played, actually played really well with ten men, and we more than yes. I, I still don't think Some... why he should have got that first booking there. He was the second booking was fair enough, but the first one was a bit of a, Al- a soft. Uh, an Albion player failed to track his man. I'm afraid on that uh, that winning goal, and um, I'm <laughs> sure he knows who he is. But uh, no, I think. Um... <sighs> Yeah, a lot will depend on, you know, whether is Danny Ings back to torment us? You know, is he going to be fit? And uh, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, there's a, you know, there's obviously a fantastic squad there at Villa, but it's a question of getting to, to play anything like the sum of their parts, which Dean Smith, I think he'd lost his way. But um, whether I'd have then wanted to jump straight back into the frying pan with Norwich, I don't know. But I mean, they can't lose there. I mean, they, I mean, they, were, they were down. So. Up, but they're not going to stay up, so... It gives them a good chance to get to know the squad and to build on it, and then kind of come up again, maybe. Mm, or true. I don't know. I, I'm I'm still. I, I wonder what. I think Villa's big problem is that they didn't have to take ownership last season. Grealish did it all for them. Almost everything was like through him, and now they suddenly that all the a the new attackers, but also b the ones who were there have got to be a bit more. You know, take ownership of the thing and actually dominate rather than just pass to Grealish. You look at their mm. run when he was out last year; it was dreadful, wasn't it? They, went, they didn't yeah. win it about ten games. Yeah, I mean they've got they've got some decent players. You know, McGinn's a good player. Um, they 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 haven't, to my mind, Connors is not a bad defender. I'm afraid. I really think that I don't know. I think there was a there was a three match suspension. You know, in that uh, that previous game, you know, for that elbow that should have mm. um, that should have been you know should have been affecting them. They've got a player who shouldn't be playing, but you know, to my mind, 
Yeah, uh, and El Han- El- yeah, I, I, Garzi I thought, should be missing as yeah. well, shouldn't he? No, uh, actually. Yeah. The, 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 the got sent off, I thought, wrongly. But yeah, the, um, hmm. the other centre-half, how Halser, his name is, was yeah. definitely have gone. I don't understand how they didn't, VAR didn't look at that. No, absolutely. I think he could have had a retrospective um, three-match ban for that as well. Do they do but, that with VAR, though? Because, I mean, they, they truly they want VAR to be right, don't they? So, like, for God knows. It's really annoying because I mean, El Ghazi had a couple of yellows, second yellows he should have gone for, which would have had him a one game suspension. And also, Cresswell, who we're playing West Ham in three games' time, he potentially and probably should have gone, I think, in my opinion, for for his challenge in the Liverpool game. And if he had, I mean, may may or may not, but if he did, that's a three game ban which would have taken him out as well. So we're not getting much luck in that regard. Um, One thing, I mean, Wepu, by the way. It's because we're going yeah, to win well, the Premier League otherwise, like but yeah, now we're not. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know anything, uh, Nick, about Mwepu's availability? Do you know where, where's he at with his injury? Have you heard anything? I haven't, no. I mean, it, um, uh, I'd be surprised to see him. I think um, I think it, this may be one of those those ones where you, where um, Potter wants the old guard to uh, to stand up and uh, and be counted on this one. I think he it, it, started at Liverpool, didn't he? So... I think you. I think there's a, there's a sort of fitness doubt there, though, isn't there? You know, these sort of yeah, these yeah. injuries keep coming. I mean, maybe one of those ones where he needs a bit of a spell on the sideline just to get it all sort of sorted yeah. out. Hopefully, not you know another um, Welbeck style uh, operation. But yeah. um, no, I think you know we've got we've got plenty of uh, plenty of talent there. You know, we, we've got uh, McAllister, Modder. Uh, you know, all these guys who. You know, we're waiting for that one consistent that you know that show them all why you know why we bought you performance. I think you know, I think McAllister and and, and Moda both owe us that. I think yet to be you know completely convinced by either of them. I think McAllister's got all the skill in the world, but you know I want to see him dominate the game from start to finish. I think he can um, played in the right position with the right support. Um, Moda well. equally, you know, can be that box to box midfield player. Um, maybe this is the, maybe this is the game. You think Mope starts? No, no. I think he likes. Yeah. I think he, he likes what Trossard's doing. Uh, yeah, Trossard's think, doing think, well, isn't he? Actually, I think he. I think it's. I think it's. It's very. I think I like the <clears throat> the false nine idea. If you think that's what we're playing, because you know, in theory, it gives the uh, gives the ball to the the weakest area of the opposition. You know, that gives possession to the central defenders and uh, looking at the Villa central defenders in possession. Um, I'm, I'm not fearful. Um, you know, I think they're more likely to give it straight to us than uh, to, to their own um, their own players. Um, I'm not mad, madly impressed by Ollie Watkins. I'd be disappointed if we can't deal with him. Um, I think you know the, the danger to 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 us is is from there from people like McGinn. You know, with, with a bit of craft. Depends. Will Buendia play? Willings playings is just one of those guys who always seems to score against us. So. Uh, Hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see the Villa team. Maybe he's yet to hit hit form, but he he was very good in the Bundesliga, and I think he, there's there's a player there who will yeah. succeed. So it's a matter of when he kind of whether Gerard has done enough in a week to turn him around or let's yeah. hope not. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. A good point. yeah. Typical Albion well, lucky. That's the case. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to the game. I'm, it's good to be back to some action because, of course, last week we didn't have a game. Uh, for the weekend to talk about because of the internationals. A very quick word on that, actually. Um, a few bits just to quickly fire through. England, um, Harry Kane, perfect hat-trick. 
first since Platt in 83, in 93, apparently, and then four more in the next game as we got a 10-0 win. Uh, he's the first player to score consecutive hat-tricks since Dixie Dean in 1927, apparently, and the first time that England have scored 10 goals in a match since 1964. Um, so some some fantastic little records. It has to be said, the team that Dixie Dean had played in 1927 probably better now than San Marino were. <laughs> Meaningless padding of stats, you know, it's yes, just, just it forget is, it. it? Are not even yeah. worth even no. talking about. Those I think they have three qualifiers, Nick. If it, like, so San Marino don't automatically yeah. qualify. The trouble is, you know, there are, there are a small number of utterly weak and worthless international teams. You know, to, to have pre-qualifiers, you'd, you'd have to include, um, you know, some pretty reasonable teams in that to make the numbers worthwhile. And uh, mm. then you'd be asking, then people like Northern Ireland would be asking, why are we playing San Marino and Andorra? You know, why are, we, why are Latvia wasting their time? You know, when they're, not, they're a fairly competent team, you know, but mm. why, why are they having to play this? Is It's difficult. Um, no, I, um, but, you know, I just, you just have to laugh at people like Maguire cupping their ears, you know, yes. because they've scored against Albania. Do me a favour. It's rid- you know, ridiculous. People, people really do ask, you know, oh, why do Maguire and Shaw play so well for England but so badly for Manchester United? Because they're not playing San Marino when they play Manchester United. Not playing, they're not playing Albania. In fairness, Shaw had an excellent Euros um, overall, I thought. And then he's, yeah. Maguire it, up and down and mystical at games, but I thought Shaw was excellent. I think United don't play him properly the way they the way he should be yeah. played. Well, that's, well, that's really their problem, isn't it? Well, Mitrovic apparently he took his shirt off celebrating when they qualified for the World Cup. He's now banned for the first game of the World Cup. Uh, well done there, mate. <laughs> a classic. Uh, Portugal and Italy managed to get themselves into the playoffs rather than qualify. Uh, Scotland did too. Congratulations. And could be drawn to play each other as well because they, yeah, they're, I mean, they're seeded for the Italy. semi-finals, but. You don't have seeding for the finals, do you? So they yeah, could get it's a single single game as well, isn't it? So there's yeah. a lot more lottery elements of this. Um, yeah, real shame if they, if they drew each other. Wouldn't it be hilarious? Oh, sorry, tragic if Cristiano Ronaldo missed out on the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I, I think oh, yes. I think tragic would be the word I'm looking for. I, I, I'd be gutted. Yeah, definitely mm. not like laughing. Yeah. Um, one thing I've got to mention as well. Hats off to Graham Potter, Billy Reed, and Bruno. They're all doing the sitting out, uh, sleeping rough. Uh, as a fundraiser for charity uh, for the homeless in uh, Brighton area. Um, I think it was midweek last week, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, um, was it Friday? Was it this was week? It... <coughs> I must it was Friday, because somebody no, said, Friday, it, oh, yeah. unlucky missing the England game. I thought, oh, well, maybe not that unlucky. But... <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, so, I'd so be interested to know what Graham Potter's son's reaction was to be told that he'd be joining uh, Uncle yes, Billy and Uncle, uh, Uncle that. Bruno out on the streets <laughs> of Brighton. Yes, exactly. I'd probably have to huddle between them for warmth, I think, on that one. It was, uh, I don't know what the weather was like, actually, in the end down there, but uh, yeah, bad, fair, fair play to them, though. Still, it's good. It raises awareness. and It's a good, it's a good call. If we lose um, on Saturday, it, it'll be like, why didn't they spend that evening studying Aston Villa? Yeah, just doing more <laughs> video research. Yeah. Well, life's too well, short to study Aston Villa on a Friday night. His, <laughs> his former club, Ostersons, has just been relegated from the Swedish top flight, apparently, amid mm. some financial troubles as well. So a bit of a shame for them, but... Uh, you know, he's uh, obviously long since moved on from there, but I'm sure well, he'll be disappointed. A couple more international it. things, by the way. Um, yeah. A, Sarmiento and Caicedo both started for Ecuador, and they're looking like they could well be at the World Cup. Yeah, Caicedo scored, didn't he? And, yeah, he did. And also, potentially, crucially for Albion, Mitoma played for Japan, which could yeah, have yeah. potential yeah. 
work permit, if we do want to re- re- recall him in January, it could impact potential work permit issues. Yeah. So that's mm. a real, real, really good thing. And even if he Absolutely. doesn't, we don't want to recall him. It's really good that he started to be played for Japan. So, yeah. Yes. Um, Albion women, um, they've got a game on Sky December the 19th away at Arsenal, 6.45, by the way. It's just been announced um, in the last day or so. And also, um, there's another stat quickly. I know you love your stats here, Nick, I can tell. Um, Albion played. We're we're the most flexible team, apparently. According to a journalist, I can't remember who it was, someone on a podcast, said that we've got 14 Albion players have played in two positions this season and eight have played in three making us the most flexible team in the Premier League. What do you make of that? Oh, probably in the same game as well. Um, yeah, probably. Well, this is, you know, I remember when, when, when Graham Potter arrived, you know, we were talking to a, a Swedish journalist about um, you know, what, sort of, what we could expect. And he said, oh, he'll play, he'll play a guy, you know, um, uh, right wing one week and left back the next and then uh, and change him around and in, you know, in the same game and perhaps twice in the second half. And, you know, when we had Bruno starting a game at left back, uh, no, uh, sorry, uh, Chris, uh, Pascal Gross starting a game at left back, you know, you think... Burnley yeah, away. Absolutely right. No, um, uh, yeah, this is what we were promised and um, uh, absolutely why. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, really you're going back to Ajax's right. idea of total football, you know, and the Ajax Academy players play in every position, you know, and, and, and learn to... I love it. Don't get me like. wrong, I, I love Pascal Gross, but he's not a left back. That that Burnley oh, that, game, that, he was well. absolutely dreadful. First off, I genuinely don't yes. understand what Graham Potter was doing. No, I don't. Well, perhaps perhaps just confirming your theory that, um, that Pascal Price is <laughs> not. If, uh, yeah, I felt like it, it wasn't only things that you didn't need to confirm no, to be honest. No. <laughs> <laughs> it just wanted we, to be. We sure. should have been three or four down at Burnley if it wasn't for. We were quite lucky to still be in that game. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, but having been trapped, and, trapped in right. the house and then and wanting to watch uh, a little bit of Albion, I want I watched the. Um, the women's football show, and yet again, last on match of the day. Yes, I saw Even that. though yeah. we were third in the table, and you think, well, yeah. you know, some things are consistent across the BBC. Aren't it's they? just exactly. our rate on Detra, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know. It's exactly. You, I, know. Yeah. I know you say you listen to the show, Nick, and you, you no doubt would have heard the Polly um, um, interview as well. We had yes. Polly Bancroft. And, yeah, I mean, she and, and everyone at the club is not happy about the coverage um, in terms of just uh, just the balance of things, you've really got to get us on higher up. I have I mean, what is it, third in the table now? So you can still be yeah, laughing at today. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. Polly's, oh, Polly's, uh, Polly's supporting um, a function I'm laying on um, early next year. And uh, yeah, no, we're looking forward to, to, to speaking to her. And uh, yeah, it's I, really, I think it's really good. It was really yeah, good. Yeah, no, I think that um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what, what our, our, women's uh, team is doing is, is fantastic and uh, you know I think that the crowd of course at uh, at the Amex the other day you know was worth a mention you know, there were opening sections weren't they as, as the demand grew and I think you know the, the more they can can play you know taking nothing away from Crawley and, and you know it's, it's a convenient ground for many people in Sussex and yeah um, but uh, you it was know, a late free kick winner wasn't it and they had three yeah. and a half thousand I think was it three and a half thousand yeah and mm. um, yeah no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great free kick even if it was slightly questionable positioning, possibly from the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, if if goalkeeping remains a weakness in women's football, then then we're entitled to take advantage of that. I think. Yeah. So um, it was really well taken. It was perfectly placed. Oh, lovely! But, yeah, lovely yeah. strike of the ball. Yes, and as you said, you know, she was telling the left-footed player to get out of the way because she wanted to do that. Well, you know, Frank Lampard used to take free kicks and basically aim with the, uh, with the idea of, of hitting someone's head if he could, but if not, then hitting the far post. And, well, Paul uh, Watson used to say it as well, didn't he? But I think when he was at Albion, Paul Watson used to Watson say, and yeah. Zamora, yeah, it, it goes in, and that's the aim. It's a great idea. Yeah. 
absolutely well on that note we probably better round off it's a bit of a bumper episode this one but it's been absolutely brilliant to have you with us nick um thank yeah, you thanks, nick. for rejoining us Pleasure um thanks yeah absolutely it's been really good and thanks also to ian for having joined us earlier as well making his debut on the show and um, we'd love to get you both back in at some point as well either together or or separately whichever um to talk more it's about like we've got unfinished business with uh with ian doesn't it it's like, ian, oh, yeah, yeah i think so definitely well definitely. i mean he didn't actually speak too much about the fanzine did he i mean there was all no, this stuff that went, went around it but um it's hard there's to so much stuff to talk it, really. about about those i, days, I, I want to hear all know. the stuff about you know his uh, his kitchen table and it all being sort of stuck together and on a on a friday night and been taking down the photocopies on Saturday morning, but uh, yeah, well, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll manage to prize that out of him on the next one. It was it was very difficult to pin down, wasn't he, on, on certain elements? But um, it's a man yeah, with a lot we'll, to say for himself, and why not? He certainly does. He does. Yeah. So thanks to we, thank you to you, Nick, and uh, Peter. will sign out in the usual way. So stand or fall up the Albion Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.